Welcome to the Movers Resource Guide podcast. We're connecting you with the resources you need to create success. We chat with the best vendors, associations, mentors, movers, and more to give you the information you need to make your moving company the best it can be. My name's Brian Hassan. I'm your host. I'm the CEO of Wayfinder Moving Services in Buffalo, Apex Moving and Storage in Lakewood, Washington, and the president of the New York State Movers Association. I wanted to start this podcast because I really like learning. I like finding out more information. I always want to do better in my business. And to be honest, I really haven't, I don't feel like I've quite figured it out yet. So I wanted to start this podcast, bring some people on in the industry who know their stuff. Um, and so we can learn together and uh, try to make our companies better together. Okay, so for our first episode, we have a really great guest for you, Mike Beckett, Vice President of Transportation for USI Insurance. What's interesting about USI is they have a moving focused team that only works with moving companies, and they represent over 350 moving companies in the United States. So they have a ton of focused knowledge, and they understand our industry really well, so they can give us some really great advice of how to manage our rates um, and manage our spend on insurance. So Mike and I have had a great conversation about managing claims, deductibles, drivers, technology, a bunch of things. Um, he, you know, he kind of gave me a little bit of a shock with some of his information that I, uh, it was very new to me. So it was great to hear. Um, and then also had a, a nice, funny story for us because uh, we have a lot of those in the moving industry. So I think it's a great interview. I think there's a lot to learn uh, and can't wait for you guys to hear it. So uh, without further ado, um, here's Mike Beckett. Mike Beckett with USI Insurance. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, Brian, thanks for having me. Very excited to have you here um, and learn all this, uh, hopefully not super dry and boring uh, insurance stuff, um, but <laughs> hoping we can learn a little bit about how we can uh, keep these obscene insurance rates maybe just a little bit lower. Absolutely. You're certainly not alone in having that thought, right? <laughs> So, um, yeah, so let's take a look at a couple of things. We'll dive right in it here. Um, sure. What do you have for us today that can, you know, what's, what's a simple first thing we can do um, when we're shopping for insurance? Let's say, for instance, my renew is coming up here in the middle of July, which is super convenient um, time of year for us to have <laughs> insurance renew. Um, Absolutely not. What's, uh, what's one easy thing I can do at the top of your list that's, that's probably quick check, easy to do, easy to compare uh, to, to get us started here? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kick it off by saying think of your relationship with your insurance carrier as a partnership, right? So, so the first thing that I would bring up that you and, and companies like yours and owners like you can maybe look at right out of the gate with their partner in insurance is how much money that they are currently on the, on the hook for when it comes to their deductible spend. So a lot of times what will happen is, um, you know, you might get a quote from an insurance carrier that's cheaper than the next quote. Uh, and one of the key factors about why that might, you know, exist at a lower number is because the deductible that's being listed on the, on the policy is rather low, uh, where an owner like yourself uh, or, or some of your listeners might be able to take on a little bit more risk up front and maybe increase the deductible level that they may have to pay out of pocket in the event of a negative event but it can dramatically reduce their, their insurance spend every single month and throughout the year. So I I've taken a look at this before and I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know if I want to, you know, I think we're at a thousand now, like, 
mm-hmm. what would 2000 cost me? And I, I guess I've never really looked at it, but you're saying that that can be maybe a little bit more than I'm thinking. Sure. Absolutely. Right. So as businesses like yours, and, and again, like the, like the ones that, you know, your listeners have, uh, you're always trying to manage your insurance spend, right? Like fuel, payroll, insurance. These are three big out of, out of, you know, pocket spends for every yeah. business every year. Um, and there really needs to be a conversation. Uh, you know, I like to look at it as a partnership, but we're having a conversation, educating our owners uh, about what that spend might look like if we adjust some of the key factors of the policy. And if a company has strong financial health and can maybe take on maybe a $2,500 or $2,500 deductible versus a $1,000 deductible, and it dramatically reduces the cost of that premium, we're going to do it. Um, and conversely, if they can take on even more, maybe a $5,000 deductible, uh, you can imagine what that might do to the uh, the overall request from from the insurance carrier for premium. Uh, yeah, that sounds uh, fantastic. <laughs> so, 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 um, think, so think of it. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but but think of it this way, right? So when you know you or your listeners are are having the conversation about what insurance policy is going to be best for them. The insurance company that's coming to the table to say, okay, Brian, we we are we agree that you run a great company. We want to bring insurance to the table from our end. We think you're going to do a great job. We're, we're proud to support you. If you go into that relationship as a partnership and you say to them, hey, I appreciate that very much. To tell you what, I'm going to take on a little bit more of that risk up front. And the insurance carrier is going to say at the opposite of that, hey, that sounds great to us. For you taking on that extra risk up front, we're going to we're going to decrease the amount of money we're going to ask you to spend every month. And by the end of the year, it's going to look like this much savings. Um, so we appreciate that partnership of you taking on more. So it makes sense uh, if you think about it. But very often companies like yours and, and your listeners, they're never really presented with that conversation. It's more or less. Here's your quote. Here's your deductible rating. This is what I got you. And that's yeah, I think that's probably what we mostly see. Um and, you know, for us, when our re- renews in July, it's like that's not, you know, that's not what's uh, really on the forefront of our mind is uh, how to save money on our insurance. So, well, and uh, that's if you have a lot of time going into your renewal. Sometimes you might see that that renewal quote come in, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours before and you feel kind of handcuffed as far as, you know, what what the decision needs to be in the next day or two so that your company can be on the road, you know, 24 hours from now. Yeah. And maybe we'll put that on as a list of things to avoid. Right. Um, (laughs) So um, uh, awesome. So deductibles, it's worth taking a look at. Um, Absolutely. uh, I will definitely put that on our list. And and hopefully if the listeners haven't, that uh, they can do that, too. So what else you got for us? Well, okay, so kind of jumping from deductibles, I'm going to move right over into compliance. Um, We're going to talk about a few things here, but I think this kind of bridges nicely. The amount of money that you can take on for your deductible is, is going to be dictated a little bit on how you've performed year over year. Um, the Department of Transportation is going to look at any company that operates on the road and say, hey, you've had good behaviors, you've had poor behaviors. And that information is going to be filtered over to the underwriters, right? These are the people that are deciding how much money uh, anybody that's shopping for insurance is going to spend. So with a, uh, a trucking company of any kind, whether it's moving in storage or over the road, dry goods, whatever it might be, how they've operated on the road safely or unsafely is definitely going to impact how much money an underwriter is going to charge them in premium every year. And so you really have to stay on top of good behaviors, things like your drivers not speeding, your vehicles being in great shape, 
your driver's not being on the road for too long of a time period. Um, all of these things can be graded for you or against you that can absolutely impact how much money you're going to be spending in premium. And that kind of goes alongside with, well, am I going to be able to take on a higher deductible, right? If I had some problems in the past, if I seen a lot of issues, maybe this is not the year where I can take on a higher deductible, or maybe you've had great behaviors, right? And that underwriter is really excited about how safely you run your fleet. Maybe your insurance agent is as great as I am, and he's working <laughs> with you as a partner, really kind of really kind of guiding you away from some of these, forgive the pun, but potholes in the road, right? That are ultimately gonna slow you down today, but really hurt you tomorrow. Uh, if you can kind of package all those things in, in a way that the underwriter looks at it and says, man, this is, this is a company that is safe. Uh, they're compliant. They don't get many violations. They don't certainly get many out of services. This is a company that I really wanna partner with. And hey, by the way, they wanna take on more deductible. I'm gonna make sure this company is gonna get my best insurance rates maybe versus the company down the street that does the same operation, but maybe they don't care as much about keeping their trucks in good shape or their drivers in good behaviors. Uh, and maybe they've got a lot of losses and they want to take the smallest deductible possible because they know they're going to be paying a ton. So when we're looking at that, though, and we're trying to behave ourselves, right, we're trying to do the right things. But, you know, we're in the moving industry where a lot of times our drivers aren't professional drivers. They're just mm -hmm. movers who happen to drive. Right. So mm -hmm. right. how do we how do we manage and balance um, the claims that we're putting in or not putting in or, or all of those things? Like what, what's your best advice there? Yeah. So I think it all comes down to, and I'm going to keep going back to this word and it's not an accident, but partnership is really key, right? I like the word partnership. I like the word advocate. Your insurance agent, right? It, you know, should be coming to the table with strategy for you, things that you can take action on to improve the way that your company operates. Like you just said, movers who happen to drive, right? You should be getting from your agent the best advice possible on, hey, these are the safety conversations you want to have with your drivers. These are the areas that your company in particular, you know, might come across some some uh, hurdles, some roadblocks. These are some of the tripping points that we see for your, your business specifically. And here's some of the coaching points we want you to share with your drivers. Or if you're comfortable, we'll come in and we'll share these safety tips with the people at your company so that you can have a voice and an advocate and your insurance partner that's helping you keep in business and keep, you know, safe operations on the road and lower your cost, uh, you know, year after year. I don't know if I'm rambling too much. No, no, no. I, I, I hear you there. Um, and I think, um, I guess maybe it comes back to, too, like, sometimes we're afraid to tell our insurance companies things. And when you talk about sure. partnerships, right? Like sure. that makes me feel like, okay, before I file a claim, I should be calling you to discuss the, the consequences of filing in that. And should we pay this on our own or should we file this claim or what's your best advice there? Right. Absolutely. Right on. So let's, let's jump to the next important thing I wanted to talk about <laughs> is, is claims containment. Well, listen, there, there's a little bit of prep that happened before this conversation. Audience, so we, we kind of knew where we were going. Um, but, you know, claims containment is huge, right? Um, I would say, Brian, I don't want to speak for you, but let's just say that I'm sure some of your listeners and some of your contemporaries are very familiar with the process of buying insurance every year. Uh, they, they get their insurance guy, all their information. The insurance guy takes that information to the insurance carriers. And then hopefully sooner than two days before the renewal comes back with um, a quote for the business. But there's not a lot of dialogue and conversation that happens really in between. When it comes to claims, Claims containment, claims management is vital to the health of a company. What I try to encourage all of my owners to do is, is involve me in the process, right? Involve the, their support team at the broker, involve their support team, even at the insurance carrier, if you can, 
through the various stages of what might become a claim. And I say it that way because not everything that happens on the road needs to become a claim. If you want to help control your own costs, there are things that can happen on the road where you can say to the insurance company, hey, you know what, we, you know, we clipped a stop sign or we hit a guardrail a little bit or we, we you know, backed into a telephone pole. Uh, we're going to let you know of this event, insurance carrier, but we're not going to file a claim for it. And while that might sound strange, the insurance carriers eat that up. They love it. It goes back to the conversation about them saying, hey, you want to take on more deductible? You want to take on more risk yourself? You want to you know, use some of the safety services that we have available, that your broker has available? Man, that sounds great. So you can tell an insurance company and give them, and I'm going to give away the game a little bit, a notice of incident, different from a claim, where you say, hey, this thing happened. And what happens is, is when you start, when you do that, it develops a, a relationship with your insurance carrier where they get to trust you even more. And when you file for your loss runs, your loss runs all of a sudden don't have 20 items on there that are all 1500 bucks, you know, $2,000, a little bit of a fender bender here. You know, you don't have 20 of these things, you know, just pot marking your, 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 you know, loss runs. Does that though, um, what I would worry about, because this kind of happens in the workers' comp space, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. um, quantity represents that there's going to be a big event down the road. Correct. So by reporting these events that you're not going to claim insurance on, are you mm -hmm. uh, putting yourself at risk for a quantity issue? No. And in fact, you're protecting yourself against that exact thing. So uh, I'm going to put this out there as well. From an underwriter's perspective, frequency breeds severity right burn burn right. that into your brain listeners frequency breeds severity it's my I'm, I'm here to teach you how an underwriter is looking at your your moving operation right so yeah. if they start to see multiple events happening with claim dollars associated with it they know that the big one is coming right they know that it's coming so you might you might have you know 15 claims all underneath $2,000 over the course of 18 months or 24 months, if you have a really bad two years. And that will trigger the underwriter to say the big one's coming versus a notice of incident, which is all a $0 claim, right? It's all zero. Right. It's a non-claim. It's $0. It's That's okay. It doesn't impact how they're going to write the insurance, like having a dollar figure associated would. I hope that helps answer your question. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I think that that's, um, Contrary to how the workers, I, I've been explained on the workers' comp side. So, um, mm -hmm. in our brains, I guess we have to look at those as two different, uh, yeah, themes. Well, I, really. I mean, you know, I don't want to speak for every agent out there, but I would say that you know, if there's an event where you know you clip a telephone pole in your town um, and the town hits you with a bill for you know twenty two hundred dollars to fix the telephone bill or telephone pole, I don't necessarily know if that needs to show up as an incident report as nobody was involved in it other than your driver, right? right uh, it was right. driver versus telephone pole. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, th that's another great tip there. So uh, I, I appreciate that one. Um, I, the next thing I want to bring up here is uh, we're pretty advanced in technology in our company. We like to yeah. take what's new out there and 
protect ourselves. And a couple of years ago, we added the uh, Samsara dash cams and trackers on the trucks. And congratulations. You know, uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, I go to go to the insurance company. We're like, hey, guess what? We put all these in. How much? You know, what's my discount? What can I save? And they're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not nothing. And I'm like, well, that sucks. So, yeah. you know, why would that be? And and I thought it would it save us on insurance. And why was yeah. I told that's not the case? Well, um, I would say that's a unique conversation with every individual insurance carrier. Um, I don't know that you necessarily should have been told that's the case. Um, there are insurance carriers out there that do uh, put in credit uh, for their insurance um, or for their, their partners um, when they do implement cameras, right? Um, so this, is, um, this isn't something that is uh, across the board where, hey, you put in a camera, you're going to get $750 off of your insurance per truck. Which is right. kind of what I was thinking, right? Right. So, right. I, you know, I'm <laughs> sitting right here, that. right? Um, yeah. So, for the listeners out there, I will tell you that there are ins there are insurance carriers out there that will offer a rate for you contingent on you having cameras in your truck, right? You can't get the rate without the cameras being there. Um, I know I'm kind of telling a lot of stories here, but I'll I'll put it to you this way: um, the best in class owners. Um, and this is not to exclude anybody from this list, but the best in class owners about 10 years ago started to investigate cameras in their trucks, right? That's where we started to see it in the insurance space. Um, from an agent's perspective, everybody was trying to say, get this in there, get this in there, because we know as a safety tool, it's going to exonerate you from something that happens on the road where, you know, insurance carrier might blame you, but the camera might reveal, no, you guys are in fact the innocent party here. You're not at fault. So we love them for that respect. What we started to see is more and more owners adopting that thought process of saying, hey, these things are saving me money from uh, from claims, right? There's a claim that I didn't have to pay out because this camera showed the, the, the story that my driver is telling and that we know that to be true. Uh, and the insurance companies back off and say, you're right, we're not coming after you to fill a claim because you've got you know indisputable video evidence that you're safe. Um, and so what started to happen about five or six years ago is we started to see the cameras start proliferating the space more and more. So I still say that the best in class owners have cameras. Um, you're probably going to see them save you from a major claim before you'll say, wow, they're saving me 750 bucks per truck. But every single insurance carrier out there does take them into effect and into account and reduce your premium. You might not feel it. Your agent might not be able to tell you what it is, but I will tell you you are paying less money per truck than a fleet that doesn't have them. The conversation that your broker is having with an underwriter is extolling the virtues of what a great operation you run, that you are in fact a best in class owner. One of the best things that a, a broker can do to weaponize that information is to say, look, this owner is bringing cameras to the table, right? They, they have bought in to how they can improve their fleet, their driver behaviors, keep themselves safe on the road, minimize uh, the negative events that they have out there. A broker can take that information and put it on the desk of an underwriter, and that underwriter is going to be more interested in looking at that, not only looking at that account, but also giving them the best rates possible. Right. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, I think so. So there might not be a specific discount code for having the cameras, but it is a heavy factor or potentially a, a, a ad, adding factor to, hey, you're going to the we we can put packages with a bunch of other things to say hey this is a great operator a give them absolutely. a good rate so very much so from from 
from a, a broker's perspective, right? And I'm going to use the term agent and broker interchangeably here. And I know that can be confusing in the transportation space because we all know a broker is somebody you go to get loads from. But um, the agent broker can use that tool to say, look, this is something that the company that I'm representing here has done. It's not about what they're going to do. It's about what they've invested in already, right? These are their best behaviors. This is their best in class uh, uh, mode of operation. This is how they operate their business every single day. That can be used to a greater extent to bring that cost down than saying we're going to get cameras one day, we promise. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. That that kind of clears that up for me. Um, really appreciate um, your knowledge on that because um, it, it helps me understand it a little bit better. Um, sure. But to take a little break here, we uh, you know it's getting heavy with the insurance conversation, right? Yeah. So being this is our first episode, right? We uh, I'll have to educate the the listener a little bit, but. Um, we, we just, everybody in the moving industry has some crazy story, right? There's something happened. This this industry has some of the best stories. So to break it up a little bit before we get into, you know, the next heavy topic, um, give me your your craziest uh, moving story that you have firsthand or secondhand knowledge of. Um, let, hit, hit me with something that I can I can laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to tell a funny story. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be crazy enough to make everybody in the room laugh. But uh, so there's a there's a gentleman that operates uh, not too far from where I live. Um, and he's got a, a 13 or so um, moving and storage, uh, 13 or so unit moving and storage company. Uh, and he travels all up and down the East Coast. Um, and he calls me up one day and he says, Mike, um, we need to get uh, we need to get insurance to cover me traveling to California. And I said, great. Well, you know, we've got everything that you could possibly you know, need for that. Let me let me come to the table with all the resources that I have available for you. Talk to me about what the specific ask is. And he said, well, these guys move um, the rings for major events. And I wasn't picking up on what he was saying. <laughs> rings for major events. So I'm like, okay, we're talking like diamond rings. We're talking, <laughs> we're, we're talking some really expensive jewelry here. So I'm looking through, you know, the different exclusions on different insurance companies. You want to talk about boring. I'm looking through insurance paperwork to be like, all right, how much money are you going to need to be covered for these guys? How much money do they want? They want $5 million coverage. My God, how many rings are going to be in these things? So I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm trying to get all the, the, the written word put together the right way. And I come to him and I say, great, I've got the policy for you. You're all set. It's going to cost you X, Y, and Z to go up to $5 million of coverage for these guys. And here's all the things that are going to be covered on this. And he looks at me and he goes, what the heck are you talking about with jewelry? I said, you're going to be moving rings all over the country. He said, Mike, it, these are the guys that put on the events for, you know, UFC, MMA guys, <laughs> not like jewelry rings, rings, like, like fighting events. He's like, I don't need any of these jewelry, like get all this jewelry language out of here. And I said, but the $5 million in coverage is okay. He said, yeah, that's fine. But I'm not, I'm not transporting any jewelry. It's, it's kitchen cabinets, it's display cabinets, and it's MMA fighting rings. And I said, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. A little bit of a little bit of an education for me on uh, get some clarity on what he means when he says rings. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like we've all been in that position at least once in our lives. Right. Uh, well, thank you for that. Don't yeah. Assume. Don't assume. Yeah. No, no. We all know what happens when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you uh, letting us know a, a funny story there. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes in this 
<laughs> I, I just feel like in this industry, though, we have to make a choice, and it's either to laugh or to cry. Um, yeah. And every time, I, I'd rather choose to laugh. So yeah. uh, appreciate you breaking up the insurance monotony with that. Yeah, um, well, I mean, that was the speed version of the story because I want to take care of your listeners and the time that they have, but I can really <laughs> I can really milk that one for a while, but that's the bullet point version of it. I, I look even crazier at, at the longer version. Okay, so um, got a little bit of time left here. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to throw at us? Yeah, I mean, I, so we kind of talked about it a little bit before where I mentioned the, the big spends, right? Payroll, fuel, insurance. Um, fuel is going to be more of a concern the more over the road you go, right? Um, the the yeah. longer distance miles that you're driving. But I, I really, you know, we operate in an industry, right? Our industry, and I say our industry, and I don't mean insurance. I mean anything involving our business and transportation, whether it's moving in storage, over the road, whatever it is. We operate on razor thin margins, right? Yeah. Like that. That's true. Um, cash flow is always an issue, right? Some of your listeners might be hearing us talk about, you know, increasing that deductible to, from 2,500 to 5,000 just to see what it would do on the premium and thinking, man, I don't know if I can handle a $5,000 deductible because, you know, money is tight. Cash flow can be tight. These are things that your insurance broker, and this is a bit of a shameless plug for myself, but your insurance broker needs to be a partner for your business, just like your accountant is, just like you trust your accountant, just like you trust your attorney your broker needs to be that partner for you because yes, getting you the right coverage is important. It's absolutely necessary, but also they have to be able to protect you now, but position your business for all the things that you want next year and what you want the year after that, right? Um, if the relationship that you have with your broker is the one where you see them every 11 and a half months and they drop off a quote for you, or maybe it's every 363 days, and they drop off a quote for you and it's and it's tight, but you do it because you need your business to operate. Um, I would say, hey, you know, you can change that relationship. You can make it so that, you know, you get things a little bit sooner and you can go for um, a partnership, a true partnership where, Brian, the goals of your business, like we've had this conversation a little bit. I kind of know what you want for your current business and where you see yeah. the future of, of not only this business, but where you see, you know, yourself going in the next five, 10 years. Like I've kind of got a, a beat on what I think that is by now. That stuff needs to be important to your agent, because if it's not, you might cross some signals here that can have a dramatic impact on your cash flow. Um, so the short way of saying that really long sentence is it's not just about protecting you today, but positioning you tomorrow and the year after that, and the year after that. And there are things yeah. that your broker can do throughout the year. Just conversations that are happening, maybe monthly, maybe quarterly, that can keep you on track with a lot of the things that we just talked about that will keep you financially healthy for the long haul. So you can go and get that next big contract, or you can go and order those new trucks, hire the new people that you wanna hire, expand the way that you wanna expand or not. Um, but that partnership, I've, it's my privilege to be on my side of that and to be an active part of it. No, and I, I, I know the, the people that work with you and USI that, that I've had conversations with and my conversations with you and all of that. Like it's, it's yeah. very, you know, it's very clear that it is a partnership and it is a relationship. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, I'd like most of my business relationships to be yeah. that way, right? Yeah. So um, You're a tough guy to get along with, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'd say ask my wife, but I don't want to get in trouble. So, <laughs> um, so, um, so in running our business here, what's, um, 
you know, we've got trucks, you know, whether it's just locally or running over the road or wherever, just as movers, we have trucks all over the place. You know, yeah. even even running locally, we run into DOT stops. We run into sure. um, all these things. What's what's one thing we can do that maybe we don't know um, yeah. or maybe that's lesser known or whatever else? What's something we can do that it, that that our listeners can take away from the conversation today that that yeah. maybe they didn't know before? Okay, so here's here's my one um, you know nugget of information that I will leave you with. Hours of service. Okay, so there are seven factors that the Department of Transportation uses when they're measuring the health of a trucking company, regardless of what they're doing, moving in storage or refrigerated food or whatever the case may be. Everybody plays underneath these seven categories that they're all being judged on. One of the biggest and most important ones that you can pay attention to is the hours of service scores. Now, the reason I'm bringing this one up in particular is, you know, maybe aside from unsafe driving, crash, vehicle maintenance, the substance, uh, controlled substance. The reason I bring up hours of service is because it's the one that if you lose track of it, it can dramatically impact all the rest. So when hours of service violations occur, those scores work against you. As those scores increase, all of a sudden your hours of service violation scores goes into what's called the alert status. Now, when this happens, it's the only one of those seven categories where it ticks over into the alert status, the DOT is gonna stop you every time. They literally put a picture of a, a stoplight on uh, basically a report card for every fleet that a DOT officer can see as the truck is pulling up. And if that, red, if that light on that stoplight is red, they're gonna stop you 100% of the time. If you go into alert for hours of service, you will get that red light and you will get stopped every time and they will find more issues with your drivers. They'll find more issues with your trucks. All of a sudden you'll start having tire and brake and lamp and you know who knows what else, vehicle maintenance issues. Uh, and it will start to compound like an insurance card uh, interest compounds. And all of a sudden, you know, you're gonna be overspending. An insurance company is gonna look at an hours of service violation and go, oh, we don't like that. And if you have an alert, they're going to say, oh, we're going to charge you more money for your insurance premium. So keeping hours of service scores down, educating your drivers on how to make sure that they're filling out their logs the right way and they're on the road for the appropriate amount of time can keep your business financially healthy all year long. Mike, I have to cut you off there a little bit because now I'm finding myself like a, like scratching my head a little bit. You went through seven categories there, some sure. of which are driver fitness and like which I think includes them like failing a drug test or an alcohol test or something sure. and accidents. Yeah. So I I want I just want to make sure I'm hearing this right. So you're tell, you're saying that the hours of service are going to have more of an impact than. Like if your drivers have been in accidents or they're failing drug tests, you're telling me that we can have drivers that are failing drug tests and be in accidents and stuff. And that's not going to trigger a DOT stop more than having an hour of service failures. So, so it's a it's a very broad way of painting that that picture. But that's correct. Right. I would tell you if your drivers are having multiple crashes and drug related offenses, it's a conversation to have separate um, of them behind the wheel of a truck. But mm -hmm. I would tell you this, your company can go into the alert status for crash, meaning the DOT says for the number of trucks you have on the road, you crash way too often. That category can still can go into the alert status, but it won't change the color necessarily of that stoplight that the DOT is using to stop you for inspections. So you could essentially keep on the road and not get stopped as much. Now, here's why. So 
the DOT is responsible for keeping your wife and kids safe on the road, right? Yeah. They are looking at yeah. trucking companies saying the ones that are in violation the most, they're the ones that need the most help. We're going to make sure that we're doing everything we can to look at these companies. So that's why they invented the inspection selection system. That's that red, that red light on the stoplight. Hours of service is so well uh, uh, enforced because the DOT knows from all the data they've collected that over 70% of all negative events that happen on the road, so more than almost more than three quarters of all events are because the drivers were fatigued. So the Department of Transportation and the insurance carriers, by the way, have put a, an, in, an incredible amount of importance on drivers being on the road for, an, for a healthy amount of time, because if they go over that, we know bad things happen. So this is the one category where if you lose track of it, it can spin wildly out of control for your company. And all of a sudden you go from having hours of service alerts because your guys weren't paying attention to it to hours of service, vehicle maintenance, uh, 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 driver fitness. All of a sudden now your company has three alerts and now no insurance company and their brother wants it. So uh, that was enlightening because I would have never guessed that hours of service was the one thing that triggered that. Um, and not that we are having issues with any of that, but I, I feel sure. like that's really surprising. Um, and, you know, I think that's, you know, we've all had the driver that's 20 minutes from home and wanting to just push on yeah. through or 30 minutes from home. And uh, whether or not we've said yes or no to those situations, hearing this is like, uh, yeah, absolutely not. We cannot do that because that puts us at a, just a very high risk of so yeah. many other issues. So, um and I would add, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, sorry, I know I just keep talking. It's not just the actual violation itself of driving too long, but if they keep an improper logbook or they don't have their 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 hours information on them, that also counts as a hours of service violation. So it's not only that they're behaving right, but that their behavior is documented correctly. Well, I, I tell you what, Mike, I, I wish we had a few more minutes to like maybe dive into this a little deeper, but uh, I think we... Yeah, you left us with the best nugget here at the end. So, um, listen, I greatly appreciate your time. We really appreciate you being here and helping me out, helping our listeners out, um, and being my guinea pig for our first uh, first episode. So, uh, thank you for being brave uh, and coming in here uh, and, and letting me practice on you. Um, thank you for for taking the time, and uh, we really appreciate you. It's been my pleasure. Good luck finding somebody as long winded as I am for your next. Episode. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ryan. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Mike as much as I did. Uh, we really appreciate him coming on. Uh, if you want to reach out to Mike, he was gracious enough to leave his cell phone number. He felt that was the best way to get a hold of him. So write this down, 315-882-6862. And that's Mike Beckett with USI Insurance. I really appreciate everyone uh, taking the time to listen to the whole podcast. This was our first one, so hopefully it wasn't too rocky, and I know we'll get better as we go along. So appreciate you listening. If you have any suggestions or would like to give us some input, feel free to email us at moversresourceguide at gmail.com. So until next time, thank you for listening and get moving.